Welcome to Subway Sports Talk. Dan, 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 clear of the closing doors, please. Here we go, Subway Sports Talk. My name is Peter Kennedy, and I am your host. Thank you so much, as always, for listening on Apple Podcasts, App Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you so much for tuning in. We're back with basketball. I think it's been like two weeks since three weeks. Three weeks since we did basketball? Oh, my God, that's too long for any time of the year, especially now. Basketball season's starting to heat up. We're starting to be able to see some things that matter. Some. It feels very weird, though. I know my, my gambling has been horrible. On NBA so far, I'm keeping it very minimal because it's tough to read what the hell's going on out here. Having some more luck than I, I think, though. NBA outsider himself, John Lucas Duffy. What's up, dude? Uh, it was definitely, it's definitely good. For, it was definitely good for a while. Don't believe everything you see on Twitter that we send out. <laughs> that we had to retire that for the time being. We need to get and it. And then back I was, I, I was hot, hot as could be last week, and not uh, this week has not started off well. So. We'll get into it. First, let me get here first. Uh, only three NBA outsiders. We're a big three tonight. We're not a starting five. We're a big three. Three-man weave. And uh, we're going to be talking about a big three, obviously, in Harden, KD, and Kyrie. We also got KJ. Kyle Anderson. What's up, dude? My man. What's going on, bro? It's uh, I mean, I just want to share the same sentiment as far as not being able to correctly bet a NBA game so far this season. So it's just, it's been a rough, rough. I'm just like, I'm just, I'm just waiting until the right time. I guess I'm waiting for like a 30, 30 game limit or something. I don't know. I can't, I can't find it. It's, uh, it's tough out here. And plus with the injuries and who's playing every single night, if you're not out here really checking, you know, who's in and who's out before game time, you're going to put yourself in some bad situations. And then sometimes, you know, on the flip side, you can do too much research where, you know, you're overthinking it, and you're like, oh, this guy's out, but this guy's not really that important, and, and you're like, oh, well, I can't bet. I'm trying to think of, like, a random a random example. You know, like, oh, I can't bet on the Hornets because P.J. Washington's out. Like, no, you know, maybe that's too aggressive of a thing to say. Like, okay, they still have Hayward, they still have Lamella, whatever. So it, it is tough to navigate. It really is. But wait, Duff, I said we were going to get to something, back to something. Oh, yes, here we go. On Subway Sports Talk Twitter, at Subway Sports Talk, TLK. You were putting out picks, right? Well, we we were putting put it out on picks. Me. We were sorry. We we were putting. Out, don't put it on us, no kid. But no, we're putting out. Picks. Yeah, I was. I was in on that too. I'll I'll take some of that. Oh, you are okay. <laughs> I don't think I was because yeah, I've been. I was, I was I've been all over the place here trying to focus with on some other stuff. Because you didn't want to be a man and put yourself out there. Got it. Got I've been it. putting myself out there on the football picks, and that's what I was actually going to say. <laughs> I was going to relate it to that. The funny thing you said you were you were messing up early on the picks. At Subway Sports Talk TLK. And now you stop posting the picks to try to get your mind right, and you've been hitting. And that's the opposite of what happened to me. I was hitting, and then me and Patty Boyle are like, all right, let's start posting some picks. We're going to do picks podcast, blah, blah, blah. And I started missing like crazy, but I stuck to it. And now back above 500 with a decent margin there. So stick with it, my guys. Stick with it. That's what I think. Yeah, what's your, what's your, what's your record right now, Pete? Um, you know, I would have to check the notes, but it was something like something like 20, something like 28 and 25, three or something like that. And, and, and Pat okay. Boyle was 10 games above 500. 
So Ooh. that's damn good. Right. He, he's been crushing those two-game teasers, which is his style there. Uh, but I don't want to go too long on this. We should probably get started. Um, real quick, though, Duff, with you looking at the lines, this will get us into our basketball talk. When you're, you're trying to figure out which teams you like and don't like, over, over under like half the league right now, just general speaking here, do you feel like you know what these teams are? Like, Do you feel like you know what half the teams in the league are right now? Uh, yes, I do. I feel like I know what over half the teams are, but the thing is, I feel like it's so close in the middle. And even at the top, like I, I really feel like there's not much disparity. The only team that's like really showing out is the Lakers and everyone else has got some, some issues. Like even the Nets, we saw tonight lost in double OT to the Cavs, they couldn't play any defense. Colin Sexton cooks him for 15 in the second overtime. And no, no team is without their flaws besides the Lakers. I know they gave up like that 17-point lead going into the, or like a couple minutes into the third quarter, and they lose to the, to the Warriors. But we'll call that a regular season hiccup for now because I think they're, num- they're top five in net offense and net defense. I think they're first in defense, defensive rating in the season thus far. Yeah, I mean, they're a team that is, quote-unquote, sleepwalking at this point, right? Like, they're not... Not even. They seem locked in. Yeah, well, for sure. But I'm saying, like, in theory, they could be sleepwalking. Or they can be looked at as as a team that it's understandable for them to, you know, take some quarters off or take a night off because they just won a championship a couple months ago. They have an older star in LeBron who's going to... He said straight up, he's like, yo, I'm going to be doing my thing, like... I'm taking it easy, whatever. I'm going to get right for when it matters. And they're still 11-4. So there's zero reason to be worried about the Lakers. But then there's other teams where, like, the Bucks, for example, yes, they're, you know, 9-5, and five, and they're still in a great place to be a top 1, 2, or 3 seed in the Eastern Conference. But it just feels, like, weirdly flat with them, you know? So the Lakers are the last team to worry about. Then once you go through that other group of people, even if you feel like you know who they are, you don't exactly know who's better than who yet, and that's the really tricky part. Kyle, what are you feeling about that topic? No, dude, you're you're so right because every and like we were talking about with the bets, you know, we we look at some of these some of these money lines and these spreads and everything, and you can make a live or even a pre you know pre game bet. You're just like, oh well, you know the net like tonight, the Nets should definitely handle their business against the Cavs. You know, they have Kyrie, KD, and Harden. You know what like. Why would they lose to the Cavs? And the Cavs, you know, are are playing well. But with that said, we just talked about the three, you know, some of the three top scorers in the league, and they lose in double overtime by seven. So it's there's so many teams that you, I guess, we had some ex- expectations for that on a, you know, on any night anyone can be beat right now, and it's almost like freaking college basketball in the NBA right now. How unpredictable it is every night. Yeah, it's it's real weird to even just look at the standings because you see the Raptors at what is that thirteen or twelfth in the Eastern Conference at five and nine, you know, to quick two game win streak can pop them up to the eight seed. That's how tight everything is, yeah. you know. From Cavs are <laughs> right. seven and seven, Raptors are five and nine, you know, like two three games flips the entire Eastern Conference standings right on its head. So it's very confusing. But what we're gonna try to do, at least with the topics we're talking about here tonight, is try and figure out what we know about some teams. And obviously we're going to talk about the Brooklyn Nets and uh, what we saw the first game with all three of the superstars 
but we're just going to project forward, see what we think about this move, and uh, we'll get into it, but I'll just say this. Seeing Jared Allen on the Cavs versus the Nets this early in the uh, since the trade happened, it hurt. It hurt if you're a Nets fan. You're seeing that guy. He didn't even play that many minutes because there's Andre Drummond starting above him right now, but like Jared Allen is so much better than DeAndre Jordan. It hurts. So we're going to talk about the Nets a good bunch, of course. Um, but then also we're going to talk about the Eastern Conference hierarchy. Teams like the Bucks, Sixers, Celtics will all come into play. And maybe some sneaky other teams will be into that conversation. And then last but not least, we're each going to pick a team, talk about their record at the moment, and if we think it's real or if, if it's real fake for that matter. Um, so that's the rundown. Shout out to Andrew Duffy. Shout out to Frank Villani. Not on the pod tonight. I'm sure they'll be back very soon. But here it is. NBA Outsiders, Subway Sports Talk, Pete Kennedy, John Lucas Duffy, and Kyle Anderson. So, I actually... I, did you guys hear, by any chance, what I was talking about spewing stuff uh, on the intro of the last podcast about the Jets head coach? No. No, I don't think Sorry. so. Okay, thanks no. for listening, guys. Uh, no, okay. Appreciate <laughs> but, that. I'm in basketball <laughs> mode right now, bro. It, it was a basketball take, but... It wasn't in the intro, so whatever. It was yeah, in the intro, it wasn't in the title. Finance, so. Um, so I was talking about brand Andy Reid. I was talking about you know the playoffs for a minute and Andy Reid and whatever. And it just made me think about James Harden here. How Andy Reid, if you really remember his time in Philly and then his first X amount of years in Kansas City before Patrick Mahomes came around, this guy was a, was a choke artist. His offense fell apart in the biggest moments. He couldn't manage the clock. And despite great, great regular season and decent playoff success, he was looked at as a as a loser in a lot of regards because he couldn't win the big game. And I just couldn't help with this Brooklyn Nets trade happening, put that onto James Harden here. And this was my take in short. And I wanted to bring it up just because I, I figured you guys didn't hear it. Is Kevin Durant possibly the Patrick Mahomes to Andy Reid's James Harden? Chew on that. If that mm. makes sense. Patrick Mahomes is to Andy Reid as Kevin Durant yes. can be to James Harden can, and his legacy. I can I think I could co-sign that just because Kevin Durant is the engine. The Nets will go as he goes. And obviously he's a stud. But James Harden has like we've always talked about, James Harden has needed just one one piece. It always felt like you know, to, to make things right. And obviously he's had <laughs> right one hamstring, one uh, big man, one Dwight Howard, one, one of 27-3, 27-3. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's needed the most help in his life. And now he's going to the Nets. Like when he was running out for the pregame, they showed, they like took a picture of him before he ran out through the tunnel. And he's like exuberant, like, oh my God, like, I can't believe I'm like with KD again with Kyrie and all this stuff. And I, I agree with it though, because K- KD's the one, you know, obviously the probably the best scorer maybe ever. Yeah. Right. You have Kyrie already on the team. And now Harden is, I think, the number two on this team, but also he can get his shot, whatever. But he can get his, right? It's not, I don't know. I just feel like, He's in a great, like, perfect situation for him to succeed because he's, like we always said, we he needs, like, the best player in the league to win, essentially. He's tried everything. He's tried everything. He's had the, the GM, the head yeah. coach for it. If he screws this up, we're all going to be like, dude, what, like, what, like, 
what a not a waste of a career, but just almost the greatest that never It'll was. Feel empty as far yeah, as the championship. Empty, Correct. Like the, no championship. The same, the same way, like Chuck doesn't have a championship. Patrick Ewing doesn't have a championship. Like that type another of vibe. One to the list. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Another another one to the list. Like a a great who will be forgotten to time kind of thing. Right. You know, he's got yeah. that MVP. Chuck got that MVP, but still, like he's he's doing like credit to him. Everyone was wondering, like, oh, there's only one ball. Who's gonna take a step back? He only took 14 shots tonight against the Cavs. He's he had 21 points. He only took uh, 14 shots though, and he had a triple double. Um, he, I think him and Kevin Durant are gonna do what needs to be done in terms of just kind of taking that step back, and you know, because because KD's kind of always had that mindset where he does. He talks about it. He's like, I I don't know. He's I don't even think has he gone for 50 in his career. Probably, I don't think before? so. It's something. Something rel- I think maybe not who's, fifty, but it's relatively low his career high because who's he, that Kevin Durant? He like yeah. gets bored. Like, it, as it, someone you know, like Kyle <laughs> called him like maybe the best scorer ever, and like he'll never be considered that, even though he easily could have been. And when he was a young dude on the Thunder, we're like, why would this guy not win like ten scoring titles? Like how he's just the yeah. easiest, purest scorer that it's certainly of our generation, like not even close. And uh, I, I think he can do so much without the ball. And even James Harden, he had he had an opportunity for a catch and shoot three tonight. Think about that. He had a, he had an opportunity yeah. for a wide open catch and shoot three. Kevin Durant threw the ball at his ankles. But like, when was the last time you even saw that that, that was even a possibility? His like career- Kyrie had a wide open catch and shoot three from the corner. Like why why was he in the corner? You know why did his man help off him? It's it's just mm-hmm. those kind of opportunities are going to be coming. I think. Kyrie, he had 37, but he looked rusty in spots tonight. And, man, that no defense thing is so real. Oh, That's so real. Like, right now, I mean, so much of defense, more more so than offense, is about chemistry and communication. So that'll hopefully get better as time goes on. Um, but, man, right now that looks like a turn. Uh, Who's going to get a stop for them right now? <laughs> Next question. It's, it's pretty, Bruce <laughs> Brown? Pretty bad. Bruce Brown, Jeff Green? I don't know. <laughs> We're gonna we are gonna get into that because that's it's obviously bad. the next uh, point of this conversation is what can this team actually accomplish? How do they do it? What are the holes? What needs to be filled? But just to wrap this up, Kevin Durant's career high is fifty four, right? Not low, not a low career high in regular people standards, but in Kevin Durant's we standards, we just saw Steph go for sixty two, right? I'm saying in Kevin Durant standards, you're thinking all right, he's had to have had sixty or sixty five once or twice, right? But no, because how does he not have eighty? 90. But I think there's one person there's one person that that had something to say about that and that was Russell Westbrook. Well, so like, oh, you trying to go you try, oh, you, oh, you trying to go for you trying to go for 60 tonight? Yeah. And can't shoot the ball. I'm shooting 30. I'm, shooting, I'm taking 30 shots tonight. Like that for real. <laughs> but, I mean Kevin Durant yeah, speak, he's spoken about it. Uh, I've heard him on Bill Simmons podcast. I've heard him on other other places saying, you know, yeah, I could probably score more, but that's not fun for me to just continuously try to run up my score. You know, I want to play basketball. Mm-hmm. I want to do what it takes for my team to win. And I, I assume that Kevin Durant's the type of guy, if his team's up by 30, he's not going to jack up 15 more shots. Like, that's just not who he is. It's not in his DNA. And that's that's great. And that brings me to my next point with the offense, because realistically, the offense for this Nets team is not the issue. It's not really a concern. I agree with you, Kyle. I think Kevin Durant is the engine. But the funny thing is, he can defer 
to Kyrie and James Harden and still be the engine of the whole team. And it's just the way, you know, he pulls in the defense. Like, his gravity on the court is so extreme. But B, his demeanor, where he's like, yeah, James, go do you. Go get yours. Kyrie, go do you. Go get yours. But because he is who he is, Harden and Kyrie both defer to him being like, yo, help out here, help out here, help out here. And he's the engine. He's the one moving. But he's such a a confident basketball player, such a wise basketball player who gets the big picture more often than not to where he's letting his dudes kind of get going and get theirs. But everybody on the team knows that it can go through him at any point in time and it will go through him quite often. So it's kind of a weird thing to look at, but it makes sense in a big picture. That's a good point. He has the confidence to pick his spots and know that he doesn't have to go for it every possession. Yeah, and, uh, and, and in the playoffs, this team like I, I want to talk about the defense because in the yeah, playoffs, for sure, that that's what's gonna that's what it's gonna come down to is it, it's about getting stops like because so many people talk about yeah uh, you know I don't know if this is still the narrative but I know it was you know amongst casual basketball fans was that they, in the NBA they don't play any defense and if you watch these games you just you know it's not true because the players are so good you just have to give them something right you like you know if you press up on james harden he's gonna go by you right so you lay off him a little bit and then he shoots a step back three and he's shooting like 36 percent on those that's a really great percentage but he's shooting like 70 percent at the rim so kind of pick your poison on that and the the nets just don't have a lot of options in how versatile they can be defensively like they have a lot of super athletic guys but you want Joe Harris on the court for his shooting, but you're going to need Bruce Brown to get stops. And you're going to want DeAndre Jordan so he can match up with the bigs and take some of that load off Kevin Durant, who's obviously going to be the alpha on the offensive end. But you're probably going to need Jeff Green because he's more mobile and more switchable, even though he's still not a great defensive option. Yeah. So they're they're looking for any buyout guy they can find. And I think one that they might be looking for in particular is uh, P.J. Tucker down in Houston. Someone who loves to take a beating for the sake of the team. That guy's crazy. How many, <laughs> like, what, what was it the earlier this season where he logged like 25, 30 minutes and he just had zero shot attempts? Does he really, does he really love that, though? Or is he like exhausted? P.J. Tucker's not young. It's crazy. I think that, like, he would love it if he was on the. If he he loved doing it for Harden when they had uh, Chris Paul and Westbrook, and he's trying to get out there for a championship and stuff. I think he would love to do it again, like reinvigorate his attitude for the game and his love of the game if he's playing in Brooklyn. If you see the lineups, especially without uh, DeAndre Jordan on the court, they're essentially a Houston lineup. You know, from like last year. You know, but outside of KD, they're. You know, KD, well, KD wasn't even the five. Jeff Green was, like, playing, like, almost the five. Because you had Harris, Kyrie, KD, Harden, and then uh, Jeff Green. So you're just like, dude, who who's who's picking up the big? And it probably isn't going to be KD. So Jeff Green is just down there banging. So I'm sure if they brought some help with, you know, with Tucker, I mean, Jeff Green would probably be, like, kissing Steve Nash's feet. But, you know, I, I think that, Unfortunately, you know, defense aside, the only thing that I think is stopping them from being great could be Kyrie. Like, who says he doesn't, you know, have another absence? You know, he, you know, we were talking about KD being the engine. You know, Kyrie's like that leaky tire that, you know, you fill it up 
And you're like, oh, dude, I'm good. Like, I can drive for another, you know, I'll be fine. I don't, I don't even have to worry about it. And then next thing you know, you got a flat on the side of the road and you're like, dude, like, you serious, man? Shit happened again. I just put a patch in the shit, you know, a couple weeks ago. You know, then you go fill it up, go patch it up, think it's all good, keep driving, catch another flat. And you're like, dude, like, this is, this is getting annoying. And I guarantee you, that's exactly how they're going to feel if Kyrie pulls this shit again. So I'm like, dude, like, didn't we already ha- already have this conversation? Like, did you not tell us like, oh, it's not gonna happen again? You know, I feel like KD and and Harden have to definitely like almost damn near babysit and be like, yo, dude, like, we need you. You know, if not, we're not gonna be as good as we can be. You know, so yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it's so tough. We'll see how it goes. There are two elephants in the room, really, with the Nets, yeah, and one is, you know, like you just explained, Kyle. It's very frustrating, but on the other hand, it's very. You know, it's a very human issue, apparently, right? And you don't want to get in this guy's business if he's not well mentally, yeah. right? Like, it's so tough for me to try and, like, really get into Kyrie about all this stuff because it's like, all right, you don't know what he's going through. You don't know how he's feeling. You want to be, you know, polite to a human being because that, that's Kyrie's thing a lot of time because he tries to sound too profound too often, right? We can all agree on that. But mm-hmm. his main yeah. point is typically like, yo, I'm a human being, bro, like, I want to be a human being. Yeah, I play basketball. Yes, this and that. Yes, this and that. The media, you guys are doing too much. He doesn't always play it right. But in the end of the day, like, if this guy is really struggling never, mentally. Never plays it right. Yeah, he, he almost, yeah. So every once in a while, you know, one out of ten maybe, he, he'll, he'll say something right about it. But it, it's frustrating when you're trying to talk about it because you want to be respectful. But also, you got to put yourself in the shoes of his teammates. And they want to be respectful too, I'm sure. But it's got to be tough sometimes gotta be tough because that tire keeps yeah. getting a hole in it you're gonna be pissed right like i i was listening to uh to the michael k show a couple of days ago and you know this is and obviously this is outside of an exception to you know Kyrie donates money to literally everyone that needs help or anyone that you know any organization that does you know does good in the community which is obviously amazing so i'm not like downplaying that i guess this is just basketball aside you know, he, his, what Peter Rosenberg made a good point was he said, you know, like everyone is dealing with social issues or everyone is, you know, fighting the same fight. Like you are not the first one to, you know, be, um, you know, fighting social injustice and also playing a sport or also, you know, being paid a lot of money to do it. Right. It's like, dude, you, you have to kind of, do you know do both I, obviously it's not the easiest thing in the world but if if you choose that one is more important than the other then you should be fair to whatever commitment you know you make you know and just think about you know the people that you're affecting if if you're not there you know 100% mentally or 100% physically you know the thing the thing to me that sucks the most about this is that the casual fan hates Kyrie Irving so mm-hmm. much and doesn't want oh, yeah. anything to do with him and it's really disheartening, not because I love Kyrie so much and I want to defend him all the time. It's like the thing people always forget to mention about Kyrie Irving when they're talking about this stuff is how incredibly good he is at basketball and how fun it is to have him playing. And I'm just yeah. kind of to a point with this where like I we can just talk about this now and I'm ready to never talk about it again. Like he's if let's talk about him when he plays. Let's not talk about him when he's not playing. Like I just don't. I don't care anymore. He's going to do what he's going to do. He's got his other priorities. He wants to be a human being. 
I respect that. And if the organization is going to live with it, they're going to live with it. And, you know, I was talking to someone today and they're like, if I'm the Nets, like, why do I, like, he's just disrespecting the organization. I'm paying this guy money, blah, blah, blah. And I'm, I, and my point was like, to me, it's worth that. If I'm the GM of the Nets, it's worth the headache to just deal with Kyrie. Cause we got KD, we got Harden. And if he's there in the playoffs, mm-hmm. He's fit. He's not like he had 37 tonight and he still looked rusty to me in a bunch of spots. So if that's what he's going to be when he's a little rusty, not playing for a couple weeks, like how's he, how's this team going to look, you know, two weeks from now, if they're all playing together for two weeks straight, you know, that's, that's kind of where I'm at with this team. I still believe in them big time just because I don't think we've seen this many, like three guys with this potent of an offensive threat. Like I know the Warriors with KD, but Clay isn't as dynamic as Kyrie Irving or James Harden, you know? And Steph, you know, made up for that with with Clay, and Clay played his role to perfection. But these three guys as individual talents, it's gonna be a nightmare for defenses, but their de- the Nets defense is a nightmare in itself. So we'll see yeah, what happens. Literally, uh the the closest thing from an offensive standpoint that I can think of is the Miami Heat big three. And I don't think you can say Chris Bosch was quite on the level of any of those three dudes. You could definitely argue Dwayne Wade and Braun were on the same level as those three dudes. But Bosch was just like right below as an offensive threat by himself, and he obviously had to take a huge, huge step back. Maybe the big three in Boston, but offensively specific, not even close. So from an offensive standpoint, there's no reason to worry about this team, in my opinion. The second elephant in the room, though, uh, has the athleticism of an elephant right now. That's DeAndre Jordan, man. This is the only guy on the roster right now that's a center. I'm not saying like they got a scrub to back him up. They don't have anybody to back him up. We just explained Jeff Green's playing center, um, center minutes. Off the jump this season when Jared Allen was still here in Brooklyn, we were worried about DeAndre Jordan's minutes, getting too many, and him being an issue to this team if he's going to play too many minutes because Jared Allen is clearly better. Now Jared Allen is gone. He's on the Cavs. It's DeAndre Jordan or Jeff Green or Kevin Durant at the center position, and that's tough, right? So if you watch the Milwaukee Bucks game, which they won, my guy was getting picked on. Terrible. Remember CJ McCollum about Enos Cantor? Pick and roll at double zero every single time. Oh, Devin Booker. Devin Booker. Adam. Oh, Devin yeah. Booker. Sorry. I think CJ might have said some shit about Enos. Oh, no, Enos Cantor's on the Everyone talks shit about Enos Cantor. Whatever. But yes, Devin Booker. Pick and roll at Enos Cantor every time. It's that times a million right now on DeAndre Jordan. It's it's ugly. It's real ugly. Like, what what can possibly be done here? Do you think, Duff or Kyle, that, like, any other center right now? Like, I I was looking at it. I was like, Costa Kufus. Remember Costa Kufus? Get Costa Kufus yeah. on this team. That's an upgrade. How how bad? I heard Kendrick. Kendra, Kendra Perkins said he's available. I've seen him. I've seen him doing crossovers in his driveway. Shut so up! He's I available. missed that. That's hilarious. <laughs> he's, right. available. he's available. Spice Adams is available. Bro, <laughs> looking like Cream Bigum weeks ago with the bulk and none of the talent. That is so hilarious. Dude. But like, how how much can this actually hold this team back? How like is it to a point where you don't trust them as much as another Eastern Conference team? And we'll use this to get to the hierarchy in a minute. I I, I don't think you can play him. In the playoffs. I don't think you're going to be able to play him in crunch time. I think if you, against the Sixers in particular, like, I don't know how they match up. I don't know how they match up 
the like with the rest of the team or whatever. But I think only the Sixers be found out by halftime. Well, I think the by Sixers half-time. are like the only team he can play against because there's a guy his size on the court. No chance. Joel Embiid shot like twenty some free throws tonight. Like, there's no way. There's no way DeAndre Jordan can guard that guy. DeAndre yeah, Jordan loves was to foul. Tonight. Loves to foul. Yeah, but at least DeAndre Jordan could just stand in one spot next to Joel Embiid, and if Joel Embiid goes for 35, he goes for 35. He but can't move though. He it, can't move, and Embiid is so mobile and his footwork's so good. He draws fouls like nobody's nobody's business. True. Like right. DeAndre Jordan only had two fouls tonight. I've seen multiple games this season where he's drawn two offensive fouls on illegal screens in the same quarter. Like you can't have that from a center who's supposed to be playing like thirty plus minutes. Oof, yeah, it's ugly. Like if you that Bucks thing, man. Chris Middleton was going for a pick and roll. Whoever DeAndre Jordan's guy was, he was going for that guy, and uh, he was just getting absolutely wide open looks the entire game. The entire game, it was ugly. So, question: Is there any any way or anybody like what's like the bare minimum? person they need at set, uh, center is my question. Who's the bare minimum? I said Costa mm. Kufis. It's kind of a joke. He's out of the league. But, like, what's the bare minimum? Like, is it Nerlens Noel? Is that, like, a huge upgrade over DeAndre Jordan right now, Nerlens Noel? So massive. That's <laughs> that's too good. Yo, that's too good of a Noel, Noel is, yeah, man, Noel is giving them good minutes. So that's nowhere near the basement. Yeah, that, that, might, be, that might be too high. Nah, that's, Myers Leonard It's not that bad either. Now he can shoot threes too. Tristan Thompson? He's way better than DeAndre Jordan. Mm, yeah. I know, but I feel like that's a that's actually comparable because like, he's actually I'm, a little shorter. He also can't score. Yeah, but he can rebound at least now. Just still. Give him, like, give yeah, him, yeah, give but him I'm Nas saying Reed. that's a trade-off. He can't Nas even catch Reed. lobs. Like check, Nas Reed, check Nas Diallo. Reed. Like check Diallo hasn't done much in the league ever yet, right? Put check Diallo on the Nets. He'd play twenty minutes a game over DeAndre Jordan. That's how bad. You know, we've been yeah, saying was- this for a while, but to each other because it's never warranted airtime. But uh, DeAndre Jordan has been like he's been he's, he steals off. I almost saw him give Luka Doncic multiple concussions trying when to he get was rebounds before <laughs> trying stealing rebounds, stealing rebounds against <laughs> like literally ripping like no one contesting, just the two of them. And DeAndre Jordan is going up with elbows like and and Hell swinging yeah. on him, dude. Trying to get that bonus. <laughs> yeah, he's, just, he's gonna start yelling. He's gonna start yelling like Mo, like Mellow now. Get the fuck out of here, get out of here. <laughs> dude! I'm Kevin Durant. Get the fuck out of here. Oh my god, <laughs> that's tough. Yeah, well, man. you know what? I uh, I think that's pretty much good on the Nets right there. And to to wrap it up, despite the glaring defensive issues this team has, they're they're a finals contender, right? It's that. Is it yeah. that? It's that simple. For sure. Okay. They're that talented. Yeah. Let's move on. Moving on to the Eastern hierarchy because we just now set the Nets as a as a finals contender to win the Eastern Conference. But this Eastern Conference right now, it's looking kind of mucky. Not gonna lie. The Milwaukee Bucks, as I predicted over the past year or two, I'm going to sound like Colin Cowherd. As I've said for the past however many years, like. People are going to get sick of this team, and it happened. It's currently happening right now. No, it's not currently happening. It happened. It's over. Everyone's done with the Bucks. No one cares. They're nine and five. They're going to be a two seed in the Eastern Conference. No one cares. Do it in the playoffs. Chris Middleton, you might have sick numbers, 50, 40, 90. No one cares. Giannis, you can't shoot a three. You can't shoot a free throw. No one cares. Actually, everyone cares. Everyone's going to start hating you soon. It's what happens when you win two MVPs in a row. You flame out in the playoffs twice. This is what happens. Yet, they're still here. Boston Celtics, Philadelphia 76ers, 
a sneaky Indiana Pacers team and the Brooklyn Nets. The two teams that would have been expected to be in this conversation beforehand, before the season started, would be the Heat and the Raptors. They're currently not even in the playoffs, but we can talk about them now. When we talk about this Eastern Conference hierarchy, guys, is there a clear-cut leader? And if you want to leave the Nets out of it, feel free. Because right now, I don't know if I can say there is. I would right now. I'll give it to the Nets just because they're the unknown, and I feel like they have the highest ceiling. Okay. The but other since teams, we just talked other, about them, let's. No, no, no. I'm I, I'm saying, but like after that, the next tier is like a mishmash of like the Bucks, the Celtics, the Sixers, and the Heat if they're fully healthy. So that's why I was talking about where I feel like I know who these teams are, but I don't know how much is diff- different between any of them. I don't know. Like Kyle, what do you think? I think, I think it's, it might be the, I, I would think I would give the, the go ahead to the Celtics and the Nets in like that first year. And, and probably, you know, and the Sixers, I'll give those first three and then it's everyone else. Just because I, I think at least early on, we can see that the Celtics and the, and Boston have, probably the most, you know, chemistry and the two best head coaches probably in the East. The Celtics and Boston? Yeah. That's, yeah. Oh, Celtics, I say Celtics and Boston. My <laughs> bad. Celtics, Celtics and the Sixers. My bad. My bad. It's late as hell. My bad. My bad. My bad. You're good. So uh, Celtics and the Sixers probably have two of the best, you know, head coaches in the East. And the Nets have the most talent. And then after that, it's just everyone else. I I, don't, I no longer trust the Bucks like we were talking about. I, I, don't buy them at all, especially with the roster. Especially um, when Giannis doesn't get a look at the end of the game against the Nets. But, like, he's not even in the play. And why would he Dude, be? Like, why, let's talk about the Bucks for a minute here. Well, ta- I, well, he was wide open cutting to the rim, but Middleton, if he has any confidence in himself to make that shot, is never even looking you know, at that. By the way, like know, all those people who are pointing that out. <laughs> That was so frustrating to me. It's like Middleton saw saw Giannis cut and I was like, you know he's gonna miss that free throw. I'm gonna chuck this shit. <laughs> Yo, what is, he, what is Giannis? He's in the fifties right now for free throw percentage. That's ugly. <sighs> yeah, dude, he's it's bad, hideous. Man. It's not good, Yo, right? So why, why is he why is he still catching the ball on the perimeter, man? When is when is when is Coach B gonna be like, Yo, Giannis? We've talked about it as a staff. We think it's better if you play from the elbow to the block. Yeah, like, but this is more physical dude, why, 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 Right. Like, why keep shooting threes? Like, ugh. this is but why I, I wish Frank was here right now because Frank has been saying this for like two and a half, three years already. He can't yeah, say, dude. he can't even say Giannis Atetacumpo. He says Atampoco. But Frank's been saying Giannis needs to be Shaq. That's it. He's like, I'm sorry. I wish he had what it takes to not be Shaq, but he's Shaq. He's a new age. Just be Shaq. your body, dude. And uh, it's unfortunate. But, I, I mean, I hate, I hate this because I saw it coming. And all my favorite teams, really, this has happened to. In, in like, my lifetime, this has happened to. I grew up when I was growing You're up the in, Drake curse. in New York. Yeah, kind of. So, when I'm growing <laughs> up in New York, I'm a Knicks fan, right? So, just naturally, I'm a Knicks fan. But uh, being around the Tri-State area, the Jason Kidd New Jersey Nets were extremely fun. They played a brand of basketball that I adored. I loved it. And I rooted for the Nets. And they made it to two championships. They lost and whatever. And they're, now they're irrelevant. They're gone forever. My next favorite team, the Phoenix Suns. Steve Nash, team I was obsessed with. I love that team so much. Watched them as much as humanly possible. You know, pre me having league pass. 
but I adored Steve Nash. I adored, adored that team. They never made it over the hump. They fall apart is what it is. James Before Harden. Time. Yeah, James Harden and the Rockets. It's the same thing. They fall apart. Now, I'm not saying I've been a huge fan of the Bucks all along, but I saw it happening because I saw it to a bunch of my favorite teams over and over again. You get so high. You win X amount of games. You have an MVP. You get expectation. And once that expectation hits, it's easily going to go downhill from there. And, you know, is there a, a, a route for them to turn this around and, and be looked at as a serious, like, player here again? Because they can be, what's 72 games? They can be 55 and whatever that number would be for the losses there. And no mm-hmm. one's going to care. Nobody. Giannis will not win an MVP again. He won't win a Defensive Player of the Year again. And that's just what it is. And that's life. And I feel bad, but that's what it is in today's uh, world. What like, what does this team need to do on the court to fix it? I think the answer was to get Bogdanovich, and they didn't get it done. You know, at least that's one of them. You know, and either and Bogdanovich would have would have worked. Literally, either Bogdanovich. Yeah. And they screwed it up. That was, that's why I was so I was so almost like shocked that that uh, that he signed back with the Bucks because they kept saying, "Oh, he's so frustrated. He anything you know everything that he's wanted didn't happen." And he signed with the Bucks. He's you can tell he's definitely one of those small town guys that that appreciates the city and loves being a part of Milwaukee. But also, you're he's he's blowing up. This is his second sneaker just came out. And he, I'm sure he's starting to realize that he looks and plays different than everyone else in the league. So I was thinking maybe he was going to start heading towards the spotlight, you know, some big, big market. But, you know, he stayed there. So they sold their souls to New Orleans for Drew Holiday. And that was after the Bogdanovich thing didn't go through. You know, it's crazy. Go back and look at what new orleans got for uh holiday and then look at what the rockets got for from the nets for harden and it's like not that different it's it's kind of nuts i went back and looked at it like all the picks and the swaps and the swaps yeah plus you know just a couple players karis levert jared allen a couple young pieces looks like the rockets are gonna get oh nope they flipped both of them they ended up getting nothing that's so wild to me there's gonna be some there's going to be some story written in a couple months about that trade, by the way, about how that didn't happen with the Sixers and how something weird went down because the Sixers just had a way better package to offer in terms of players that the Rockets for didn't sure. even end up keeping. But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the Bucks. I feel bad for Chris and, Middleton. Can I say that? Uh, yeah, you can yeah. say that. You can say that. Be- here, here's, well, here's why. Oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, but pe- people should just feel, be- like, feel better about him. Like he, he should get more credit. He gets... He gets a lot of shit, and I understand it. Giannis is the better player overall, 100%. But because of who Giannis is as a basketball player, Chris Middleton is asked to be Chris Middleton at the most important times of the game. Chris Middleton is not a elite-level closer. And if you want to be an elite team with championship intentions, you need a closer like that, right? And Chris Middleton has been fantastic for a couple seasons in a row now. He got an all-star appearance. He actually has really good playoff numbers. His percentages in the playoffs are actually off the charts. Granted, those Celtics series, uh, he, he just goes bonkers. They, they kind of... I was going to let it go, but they, yeah. They, skew, the, they skew the numbers a little bit. But, but still, he's now asked to do so much, and he's asked to be a guy when there's 30 seconds left in the game and they're down by 
you know, down by three, Chris Middleton, save us because our best player can't. And I don't know if that's fair to Chris Middleton. And, and re- in reality, you think about the best teams in the league, their best player is usually the guy who has the ball there. And the Bucks simply just can't do that. Sixers Damn, go through, you know what, Pete? Go, it's go through like the same you thing. just hit the nail on the head, bro. Like, that's... Yeah. Yeah, nothing left to be said. Well, he should, he should he, get more credit. He should get more credit. Like he's he's almost treated like such a he's he's treated like an other. He's not treated like a second star. Yeah. People want right. him to be yeah, a star when they need him to be a star, and then they want to shit on him when he's playing well. Like you know what I mean? He can't win basically. Yeah, the Bucks are seen as Giannis and everyone else when Middleton on any other team is probably the second the second star. You know, maybe it's his demeanor yeah. too, right? Like he's a pretty ill mannered ill mannered. Kind of yeah, mild, mild like he's, he's always, always in the, uh, always in the, the media. Yeah, I think it's because he's the second, second like rounder. Got moved around. Was right. like a player development guy. He wasn't a highly touted star. Yeah, so Milwaukee is also status, it wasn't bestowed upon him. Yeah, Milwaukee is still also one of those legit small market teams still. You know, yeah. as opposed to OKC coming out of that and some of these other teams. And, and you know what's funny, Kyle? Yeah. You brought up the Bogdanovich thing. If this, if Bogdanovich was on the Bucks right now, I think there's a really, really good chance that you know, 20 seconds left in a game, they're giving the ball to Bogdanovich at the top of the key and saying, "Make a bucket, make something happen." And that is, or, that's ta- that's saying something about a team, or at least a kick out. He's in the right. mix. On a, he's in the drive. Play. It's Middleton yeah. or it's Bogdanovich, he's, and Giannis is going to be and, the and, screener. And he's someone that you can't help off of. Mm-hmm. So the lane is now way more way more open for, like we said, Middleton or Giannis to to make something happen or go to the line potentially, get fouled, something. Right. And, well, that, you know. that moves me to the next team because let's keep moving through these Eastern Conference teams for a second here. That's the Sixers. They have a similar thing. Their best player... You know, if you're down three in a close game, you can't give him the ball. You can't give Embiid the ball down three in a in a last possession of a game. It's just, you know, maybe if you do a pick and pop, he can shoot a three. You'll be okay with it. But it's not preferred. Ben Simmons, obviously, you can't really trust him late in a game. Tobias Harris, you don't want to trust him late in a game. Chris Middleton's better than Tobias Harris in that regard. And he doesn't get the credit for that for some reason. But, Duff, you're our Sixers guy here. Is that really a worry at the moment? Because they seem like they could hit a stride where it won't really matter because Embiid's playing out of his mind kind of right now. It'll always matter. It'll always matter in the playoffs. That's that's the thing. And you can't trust Tobias Harris. You know, my one my one brother, he's been killing it on these uh, FanDuel same-game parlays. He's been, he's been crushing, and he sent me uh, his, his picks for the night, and I saw he had on there Tobias... Tobias Harris over one and a half threes, and he's been averaging two a game. And I just texted him back, "Beware of Harris." <laughs> and he, he he kept it in, and then he sent me back the slate, and it just showed like you know this person over rebounds, this person under points, this person over sit like of the of the eight picks he had, just check, 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 check. And then the only one that didn't hit Harris over one and a half threes, like oh just, the the. the the Sixers won tonight against the Celtics just by pure force of will of Joel Embiid, and the amount of times in the fourth quarter he got the ball and wasn't even just wasn't even looking at anybody else, with complete, um, like, uh, like I I understand why he was doing that. Like it, it was it was defensible, you, you know, like 
exactly. Like there was a there was a quote Kyle Corver had out there from from uh, Allen Iverson. He's like, if I pass you the ball yeah. and you miss it, why would I pass it to you again? I'll just shoot it myself. Like that was kind of Embiid's <laughs> mindset down the stretch yeah. in this game, and he just had to do it himself. Because guess what? Ben Simmons scored eleven points again. I feel like he scored eleven points in every game this season, and he drew two offensive. He drew he had two offensive fouls in a quarter. He just takes charges because. Teams know, like, oh, you're just going to keep dribbling at me, so I'm just going to take this charge because he's the president of nomoves.com and his vice president. <laughs> vice president is R.J. Barrett. I've been saying that. But yeah. the president of nomoves.com is Ben Simmons. and It's just so disgusting to watch how he just hasn't gotten better since he's a rookie. Like, his stat line is worse this year than it's ever been. They, can't, they couldn't trade him for Harden. You know, how that fell through, we'll see what happens. But, like, I don't Should've even done that know. before the season, man. I don't know if they could have though, because the, the at that point the Rockets didn't feel like they had to make the move until Harden like kind of blew it up. But mm-hmm. I mean, we'll see what the Sixers can even get for him at this point, because like I do not think he finishes the season in Philadelphia wow. because it just feels it feels wow. so bad. Like and Jackie McMullen was talking about it this week, how Sixers fans are too hard on him and all this stuff. It's like Jackie Mack watches way more basketball than me. I'm positive, but I'm not certain that she watches more Sixers game than me. I would bet I watch more Sixers game than Jack McMullen. And just over the years, like, I don't think that guy loves basketball. I don't think he cares about getting better. I think he cares about being famous. I think he cares about the clout. And I think he wants to have his own team, and he doesn't like that. He's got to be behind Embiid. He was the anointed one from Australia in the Mont Verde, wherever in Florida. LSU, doesn't matter, his team sucks. He's on national TV all the time. He's the best player in the country. Doesn't matter, he doesn't make the tournament, still goes number one. Doesn't matter, he breaks his foot, still wins rookie of the year the next year. Then he makes all-star, then he's an all-star again. And he hasn't gotten any better, though. Like, if you really watch, Mm. name one thing that he's gotten better at. Well, the only thing about what you were just saying that makes me just kind of question everything about Ben Simmons is he, he does actually grind on defense a lot. I'm not saying it's like 82 games a year. He's grinding on defense, but for somebody to grind like that on defense and be that impactful on defense to not care about getting better on offense is just weird to me. It's just weird. Like RJ That's Barrett, the thing that doesn't make sense. RJ Barrett's a good comp because there's some, there's some clear limitation with the touch, right? There's a, a lack of touch in the jump shots and the floaters and the layups and whatnot. R.J. Barrett has a lack of touch that he's, he's working on. It's not horrendous. It's actually better than Ben Simmons probably, but there's a lack of touch. He's only in his second year. He's actually made strides, I think, year one to year two. His jump shot looks way cleaner. He's more willing to take different types of jump shots. He's not afraid to put the ball up in the air and shoot and, and go to the rim and, and do some stuff, even if his efficiency is really bad right now. And I texted you guys the other, the other night watching the Knicks. I don't really care that he's inefficient right now. Because he's so young, because he's attacking. He attacks. If Ben Simmons aggressive. attacked like RJ Barrett did, his efficiency would go down, and it would probably help the team. It would be one of those Westbrook situations when Westbrook is is really reeling and affecting winning. His efficiency is a little better, maybe, but it's not great. But his his sheer force is forcing teams to play defense a certain way, to be almost scared of his physicality. Ben Simmons has that in him, and he doesn't allow it to shine. It's like a nervousness. I think uh, Rajon Rondo said it with uh, Matt Barnes and Steven Jackson on All the Smoke. You you, got to stop giving a fuck. 
they asked him, they were like, Rajon, like, you weren't a great shooter, and now you're shooting threes. You know, you're open, you're 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 nailing threes and this and that. Doesn't matter in the playoffs, you're you're hitting threes. He's like, You gotta stop giving a fuck. And Ben Simmons is the first guy that comes to mind. He's afraid to miss a three. And that's ugly. You got centers in the league who are trash at shooting threes, and they'll rip one a game. They'll rip two every three games. You know? What's going on here? For somebody to 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 grind the way he does on defense to not care about the other stuff is just mind-boggling to me. And you know what? He better be giving you something if he's the number one pick and he's not scoring. He better he better be playing some damn defense. Because if not, and then assisting, like... And he's assisting, right? If you're a Sixers fan, if you're a Sixers fan, I would be losing my mind. If, if your number one pick is giving you, say, 11 points a game and he's giving you subpar production... And he's scared to shoot threes when the entire game now is shooting threes. I hope he plays some defense because if not, then you're almost you feel like you wasted a pick. And I, I just don't understand it. You like you said, why why should he be scared to shoot a three? He clearly works on it. All the all the damn workout videos he posts all the time. You know, one good one funny thing that that uh Brandon Ingram was talking about on a pod. He was saying that, hey, like Brandon Ingram, like, dude, you don't really like post a lot of videos like of you working out. Is there a reason behind that? And a lot of one of the di- things he did mention, which a lot of people say, well, ah, you know, I don't want people seeing my, you know, my workout tapes or how I'm working out. But then he also said a lot of guys that post a bunch of videos are the guys that usually don't work out. So they're just saying like, yo, look at my workout video. Like, oh, I, I got some work in today. Maybe he's one of those guys that legit right. is not putting the work in, but he put he'll push that he'll put up that that video in the offseason like, yo, look at me grinding, working on my shot. But then when we get in the game, you don't shoot it. So what's your deal? So all ten of the you know, videos if, that we if I've been working on a fadeaway all my all my summer, <laughs> I'm gonna come into the season and I'm gonna be shooting fadeaways out of my ass. Like I'm, I'm not gonna not shoot them. You know, it's like the first shot what the you're hell? Gonna take. And yo, it's like the 10 videos that we've seen of him over the past couple of years shooting threes are the only 10 times he's practiced threes. Like, that's kind of what you're saying right now. It's, it's funny, yo. Yeah, like, it's possibly like that, true. So the only time you work out is when, you know, you haven't worked out in a, you know, in a week and you're like, all right, hey, let me get some videos of me shooting threes and let everyone, you know, put, put Philly back at ease so they think I can shoot again. And then once we come back to the season, hey, I won't he, fucking see the three-point line. He's attempted <laughs> so like what, like keep four this year? Like four attempts this year for three? That's pretty good. He's on his way up, baby. On his way up. And of course, Ben Simmons, Jeez, man. he gets graded on a different curve, right? He just get he does. He's an all-star. He's an all-NBA caliber player. He, I think he's been all-defense already. So he, he's getting graded on a different curve. But when you're that on that curve, that's what you expect. It's the same thing with Giannis now. It, it, it's cute for a while. Ben Simmons, it was cute yeah. for a while. It was great. It was fun. Now it's like, what else you got, son? Because it ain't, it ain't mm-hmm. cooking right now. But uh, let's move on. I want. I have one more team. Duffy, you got one more thing to say? Real quick. No, real quick. Real quick. I just want to give you his splits. Okay. Rookie year. This is points, rebounds, assists. Okay. He's 16, 8, and 8. Second year, 17, uh, 9, and 8. Okay. Third year, 16, 8, and 8. Led the league in steals with two steals a game. This year, he's averaging 12, Ugh. 9, and 8. And he's shooting 50% from the free throw line this year. No, no, I'm sorry. 63% from the free throw line this year. So this is the best, and this is the best percentage he shot from the free throw line in his career. But it's gone up since his second year. Second year to third year went up 2%. And then third year to now, 
it's gone up 1%. Like, I get it, it's only his fourth year in the league, but, like, like think of the growth we've seen from guys like Jamal Murray, Jalen Brown, Brandon Ingram, Pascal Siakam, Karis LeVert, Malcolm Brogdon. These are all guys in Ben Simmons' draft class. Like, how many of those guys would I take on the Sixers over Ben Simmons at this point? One for one. Almost Malcolm, all of them. Malcolm Brogdon for Ben Simmons, one for one. Who says no? The Pacers. The Pacers do. I did. Wow. I had this exact conversation <laughs> with my. I had this exact conversation with with one of my best friends from high school last night, where I literally went through and I was naming all these guys from the same draft class, and and there's like, he was like, man, it's like surprising how many of those I actually had to think about, and I'm just like. I don't know if the Pacers would even make that deal. Like maybe they do for like ticket sales and the cloud of having Ben Simmons on the team and stuff like that. But like Malcolm Brogdon makes the Sixers so much better in my mind. Like defensively, okay, maybe they take a step back yeah. or whatever. But He's you still have too. Joel Embiid, who is defensive good on defense. year over year. And Malcolm Brogdon is not no slouch on defense. Exactly. Yeah, he's actually pretty damn yeah. good. Oh, that brings Dude, me the Pacers. You know the Pacers pick up that phone call like. So uh, we want Malcolm Brown to be like, okay, for who? Like Ben Simmons, click, what? Get out of here. Like, are you serious? Bro, I'm ready to drive that dude to the airport at a moment's notice. I'm so done with him. It's crazy. Yeah. Duffy and- would pick up Brogdon himself from Philly Airport. I would drive out to Indiana. Oh, my gosh. Well, let's talk about him. Let's talk about Indiana for a second because I actually I wanted to get I wanted to get here. This is something I want to talk about. I think it'll be the last team we talk about in the East, and we'll do our last segment and say goodbye. The Pacers are sneaky. Now, they've been sneaky before. They've been a four seed before. They've been, you know, a three through seven seed a bunch of times. They've been frisky in the playoffs. But DeMontis Sabonis and Malcolm Brogdon could very well both be all-stars this year. And I think it would be very warranted. Let me read you this. You were talking about Ben Simmons splits. Listen to these splits. Malcolm Brogdon, 22 points, four rebounds, seven and a half assists, 1.8 steals. DeMontis Sabonis, 22 points, uh, 12.8 rebounds, 5.8 assists, and uh, surprisingly less than a block a game, but a stout defender wow. who who alters a bunch more shots um, than he gets blocks, right? Malcolm Brogdon, 43% from three on seven attempts. DeMontis Sabonis, 31% from three, but takes two a game. And keeps defense honest. He is more versatile than Ben Simmons on offense. Who would have said that when Sabonis was in OKC his first year? Not a damn soul. So, looking at this Pacers team, you know, TJ Warren has to get back healthy. Old Depot out. Hopefully, um, obviously, Karis LeVert's health gets figured out. That, that that would, you know, that's a scary thing. He had, he had a um, mass found on his kidney. So, hopefully, that gets figured out and he'll be back on the floor. He's with the Pacers, right? That He got moved to the Pacers. Is that accurate? Correct. In that trade? Who is this? Karis LeVert. Okay. Didn't make that LeVert. Up, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. That's right. Yep. Right. So, Miles Turner is is there. He's banged up at the moment, but he should be fine. What is the, the Pacers' true ceiling here? Are they just going to be a disruptor in the top four, five seeds in the East, or do they have some, some real juice to make a splash here? Mm. Disruptor. That's what, that's what they are, perpetually. Yeah. The same way the Kings are going to win 30 games, the, the Pacers are just going to be like six seed and disruptor. Like, they might be better than that in the regular season this year, but they out, still, in my mind, have no, like, championship aspiration. Out of the top teams in the East, so the Sixers, Bucks, Celtics, Nets, uh, let's throw in the Heat in there. If they, you know, figure it out, get some more wins, maybe the Raptors do. 
which which team is the the best matchup for the Pacers? Or like, you know, who would who would be most scared to play the Pacers? Hmm. I, have I mean, I think they're a scary matchup, but I don't think they have. I mean, with the bigs, like I'm gonna go the Nets. Mm. Between Turner and Sabonis, that's gonna be a tough one to to shut down. I mean, I think Sabonis just destroyed. Like DeAndre Jordan is retiring after that series. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say the Bucks because Sabonis is a guy you can actually throw on Giannis. Uh, like, if, you know how Bam did a, did a job on Giannis. Sabonis can do a similar job on Giannis, and I think that would that would make me nervous if I was a Bucks fan, saying, "Oh, I gotta watch Brogdon, the guy we let walk, to to do who knows what." Mm-hmm. And then you end I up think, losing them. I think I would take the Celtics. I think that would be a tough matchup for them. Man. As far as uh, Tom, after what I just saw MB do to Thompson, yeah, I think Thompson would have his hands full with the mm. bonus. And Tice like he, Thompson well. looked looked lost. And Tice Thompson looked lost out there tonight. I was like, whoa! Interesting. I haven't Thompson Thompson's starting to be on his way out. Unfortunately, I was hyped about that signing too. I thought well, he could he do some stuff. Let's, we'll give him some time. Obviously, you know we're about what. 15, 16 games in, depending on how many games you played so far. So a lot of kinks to be worked out for these teams, a lot a lot of room for improvement for all these teams too. Uh, but let's move on to our last segment, Subway Sports Talk, NBA Outsiders Edition here. Pete Kennedy, John Lucas Duffy, and Kyle Anderson. So our last segment, we're each going to pick one team. We're going to make it relatively quick and say goodbye here. We're just going to say if we think somebody's record is real or real fake. And that could be good or bad. You know, you can say... <laughs> the t- a team I know none of us pick. The Timberwolves are three and ten. You can say that's fake if you want and say they're going to be good. You can say that's real and say that they're going to be bad. But no one's going to pick that. But that's the point here. And uh, we're actually going to say goodbye to John Lucas Duffy. Shout out Jay Lou. Uh, has to bounce real quick. So we got Kyle Anderson and Pete Kennedy rocking for the last segment. We're going to sneak in some Knicks talk at the end too. Don't don't think we're not going to sneak in some Knicks talk. We have to. Yes, sir. We actually, you know what, Kyle? We could have made them a segment. We tried to make this pod shorter tonight. We're still hitting an hour. Um, we could have made them a segment. They're worthy. They're worthy of a whole episode. Maybe me, you, Alec, and Frank got to hop on a Knicks exclusive pod. Dude, uh, maybe I'm next down. week. I know we're all always down to talk a, a crap ton of Knicks. <laughs> always down to talk Knicks. I feel like we actually neglect them on the pod a little bit <clears throat> too much sometimes. But hey, we're gonna talk Knicks in a moment. So let me start off this last segment here, and, and I'm gonna say a, a team in the Western Conference has a real record right now, a real record of ten and four. And that's the Utah Jazz, Kyle. And uh, we were just talking about the Pacers and saying how they are disruptors and they're never going to be more than that. They're not going to hit true contention. And that might be true about the Utah Jazz. I don't know if this iteration of the Utah Jazz has what it takes to make it to an NBA championship, an NBA finals. I'm not sure they do. But that's okay because, you know what? Not many teams have that freaking aspiration. You know, it's it's not very real for every team, or at least the top five or six teams even, to have true, true championship expectations. You know, you have them in-house. You, you believe it in-house, of course, but in reality, do we think the Jazz are going to be win the finals or be in the finals? Probably not. That being said, I think this Jazz team, who started 4-4 four and four, now won six in a row, is going to hit their best stride that they've hit with this iteration of the Jazz, the Donovan Mitchell led jazz and there's two reasons why first and foremost it sounds little it sounds small but Derek favors return to utah 
is so important to me because when I watch this team and Rudy Gobert goes out, they now have a guy who, even though he's not a shooter, Derek Favors is not a guy who's stretching the floor too far. You know, he'll shoot a little mid-rangey, occasional three, corner three. He, he brings a smaller type center feel to this team who can still body up down low, play some real defense, really help out rebounding. And he's one of the classic cases of he knows what to do on the basketball floor, Kyle. It's a, it's an art that gets lost in the NBA, knowing yeah. what to do when you have the ball in your hands, knowing what to do when you don't have the ball in your hands. This guy knows. He helps their second unit so much. He's only playing 16 minutes right now. His numbers are only six points, you know, six rebounds. But it's huge minutes relieving Rudy Gobert from the game and not missing a beat for the team. So the return of Derek Favors to Utah is huge. And then second, it's Mike Conley. We're finally starting to see a healthy version of Mike Conley play good basketball in Utah. And I heard <clears throat> Kevin Arnovitz on the low post talking about it. He's saying, why? and I, I just clicked in my head. I was like, God damn it. Why do I not think of this take before I heard it from Kevin Arnovitz? So I'll give him credit. Mike Conley's never played in a true up-tempo style offense where they're trying to run the floor. They have people to run the floor, run pick and rolls with, cutters and shooters all around and he's fully healthy in Memphis they were grit and grind they were slowing it down they had Zach Randolph and Marcus all they weren't helping Mike Conley in, in transition Tony Allen wasn't helping him on offense now nope taking some of the pressure off Donovan Mitchell is so important because if you think about a true contender Donovan Mitchell's fantastic he can by no means do it alone so to have a healthy Mike Conley averaging 16 points six assists Sounds subtle, but shooting 40% from three and running around healthy, it makes them a true Western Conference, quote-unquote, contender, a.k.a. behind the Lakers. And when I look at the Clippers, the Suns, the Warriors, the Nuggets, the Mavericks, I don't see why this year can't be the year where the Jazz lock up a two-seed and actually make their run to a conference finals. Kyle, tell Mm. me I'm wrong or tell me I'm right. Okay. Okay, no, I mean, I like it. Because you know what, I I'm a big I'm a big Conley fan, and I always compare like the Pacers are the Eastern Conference version of the Jazz. I mm-hmm. always feel like they're always steady, they're always right in the middle of the pack. They may make some noise, but they don't always get to the conference final. But Mitchell is always he gets better every year. Mitchell gets better every year. Conley at his age is still getting better. Obviously, you have Rudy Gobert. But like you said, I, I really think that Favors is such a big, big contributor coming off, you know, either as, if he's come off the bench playing as a four, whatever. And obviously you can't forget about our boy, the Australian man from deep down under. Hell yes. Joe Inglis. He's 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 so he's like so sneaky, sneaky good. Just a modest and, 40% from three again. He just lives there. Dude, that's what I'm saying, dude. He's just he's he's just so consistent. And I think if they get the right matchup and and I think that's what a lot of the playoffs is always about, especially in the East. You think about the East, Sixers and Celtics always get matched up. They knock each other out, you know, or, you know, the the Raptors and the Bucks match each other up, you know, early on, knock each other out. I think the Jazz's biggest thing is if they get the right matchups, they have the team to do it to get to the final, you know, especially with, with the Nuggets being down like they are right now so far earlier in the year, obviously a long season. But maybe they take the nugget spot now. You know, you're talking about that taking that two seed, that three seed. Maybe it's their time. So maybe they're going to be hitting stride. 
And yeah, uh, my team. Wait, hold on, hold on. Sorry, oh, I have. Go ahead, Pete. I can't not bring this up because we were texting about it in our group chat. Is Jordan Clarkson actually good now? Is he just officially good? I think it's the tats, bro. It's got to be the tats because <laughs> he was he was not tatted up like that in Cleveland or before that, and now my man is like stroking it. My man is feeling himself. Like so, I, don't, I don't know. Right now he's, he's doing some different stuff. He's seventeen drinking that glacier water out in Utah. I don't know what he's doing <laughs> over there. <laughs> that water boy water. <laughs> Yo, for real though, because. I don't know. For the longest time, I just looked at Jordan Clarkson and was like, all right, like empty stats. He's going to get points, but does it really matter? Like, it doesn't feel like it's changing the game very much. It's not super efficient. It's not this. It's not that. Now it is efficient. And now he's asked to be straight up just a scorer. And he's doing the job extremely well. He's not just isoing. He's cutting off ball. He's shooting spot up. He's doing things really well on the basketball basketball floor. Last year. 15 points on 46% from the field, 36% from three. That was with Utah. It was a huge upgrade for him already. That was last year. Right now, he Mm -hmm. is 17 points a game, 50% from the field, 43% from three. Now, of course, there's a chance that could uh, even out a little bit, and he can drop down a a bit from 43 because 43 is real high. He's taking seven threes a game, Kyle, 43% from three. That is no joke. And when I was talking about Donovan Mitchell – unable to do it by himself. Goddamn, he almost did it by himself last year. We forget very quickly, since the Nuggets made the run to the conference finals, that they played the Jazz to the last possible second. And uh, a partial Hail Hail Mary wasn't very far, but it was a tough shot from Mike Conley in transition to win it in Game 7. Could have changed how we look about the Nuggets and the Jazz combined, and the Clippers for that matter, because who knows if the Clippers make it to the conference finals if the Jazz won that game. So... The Jazz are real. Jordan Clarkson's actually good, and I'm excited to see what they can do uh, throughout this season. All right, man. I, I, I'm going to go with it. I know if Duffy was here, he'd probably probably kill me. But unfortunately, for the Western Conference, I guess I don't know how I should how I should put this, if they are real, if their record is real, or if the team itself is fake. Okay. But the Dallas Mavericks. Oh, the Dallas Mavericks, I, they are, they are not, they are not for real, and their record is real. That's that's oh, the, the correct category. However. Okay, they're seven and seven and seven. All right, now injuries. KP is hurt. Um, Tim Hardaway has been, you know, kind of picking up the load with Luca a little bit. Um, but let me say this: Luca is leading in points, rebounds, assists, and blocks. And I think if KP was healthy, which, he which did, is he did always come, a big if. He did just come back, by the way. He did. He, he did just come back. tonight. So, like, Luca's, we all know that and, and feel the same way that Luca's amazing. And he makes good decisions. He, you know, can fill it up. And he pretty much carries his team. But there aren't many like guys that help him out, like obviously a healthy KP, but we say that every year. I feel like we say every year, hey, if KP's healthy, but he's not. He's like actually not. And, you know, Hardaway's having a great year, but three losses that that I was looking I was looking through their schedule, like, oh, like let me see how they've been doing this year. You know, you could have started off poorly or whatever. 117 to 101 to the Bulls, okay? 
118 to 99 to the Hornets. Mm. All right. So it's kind of an ass whooping. And 116 to 93 to the Raptors. Those are the three losses I saw. And I was like, hmm. Like, why is that? You know, if, if, you know, even without, say, even without KP, if this team was legit and the Raptors are as bad as they are, would they be losing like that to the Raptors? Mm. And a lot of these things are just like making me kind of scratch my head. Like, what's going on? Like, this team was, you know, pretty legit last year. What's the missing piece? You know, um, you know, you're actually getting great minutes from Cully Stein right now. He's having almost a career year right now with with the Mavericks, I guess, since uh, KP was out. He's getting extended minutes. But with that said, I just I don't know. I, I something about him. You know, there's you kind of got like an itch, getting yeah. an itch about somebody or, or something. It's like something's just not quite. That's how I feel about the Mavs. And maybe it might it makes might not make sense right now. They're seven and seven, but for some reason, I think they're really either if they make the playoffs, they're going to be in a very early exit, or they won't make it at all. That's mm. my that's my kind of my take there. I don't I don't know. Well, what do you think? I I kind of feel you, and I think. If I don't remember correctly, I'm, I'm trying to pull it up here, but I believe I picked their under this year. I didn't, I did not pick many unders <laughs> this year. And part of the yeah. reason why I didn't pick many unders is like, I felt like the the top of each conference will not have like an extraordinarily high amount of wins. So they'll, the wins will balance out throughout the middle and there'll be a lot more overs than unders, but I'm pretty sure I picked the mm-hmm. under on the Mavs and it goes back to last year. They started off like 10 games above 500 and then played 500 basketball the rest the rest of the season. And uh, yes, yeah. that's part because KP got hurt. But like you said, that's important. It happens all the time. So I'm not going to hit panic yet because last year they were absolutely epic offensively. And this year they haven't hit that stride yet. So I'll give them another couple of weeks and maybe they inverse from last year. They play 500 ball for the first couple months and then they get hot late. And that's not a bad recipe if that is how it plays out. But I'm nervous about this team too, because yeah, the defense. Josh, like by, after no, what were you gonna say? I would okay. say the defense is supposed to get better with Josh Richardson, but they're still running out Trey Burke, Jalen Brunson, Luca, who's you know probably an average defender at best. KP, who's a nice rim protector, but not great. He's not a great rebounder. He's just really a shot blocker. So the defense is yeah. is going to be a question. So if their offense isn't elite, elite, super duper legit then there's, there's serious worry. So I'm kind of with you, and to think, be honest. Yeah, and I think that was something that we talked about in our in our over-under, you know, when we had our episode with that. Who's going to defend on this team? And I think that was the biggest thing. We knew that they were hitting their stride offensively in the playoffs and the talent that they have naturally on, on the roster. But it was just who's going to be the guy that's going to get a stop for this team? And I don't think they're, they really have an answer for that yet. Yeah, I'm with you. My My honorable mention, by the way, is inverse to what you're saying about the Mavericks, uh, is the Toronto Raptors. They're five and nine. I, I just I see this team starting to, to rip off some wins real soon. Mm-hmm. And before we know it, they're not behind the Bulls and the Hornets anymore. They're not behind the Magic anymore or the Cavs. I just think as time starts to even out this league, the Raptors start to even out and regress to their mean of being a very good team. You know, they're getting settled down in Florida. My guy Chris Boucher is balling out. Off the bench right now. Who knows if he'll be a starter before we know it. But I just think this team's infrastructure is too strong to to be this bad. 
they're not going to be a sub-500 team. I just can't see it happen. So their record is fake, but they are a real-ass team. That's my honorable mention. Six-year? Six Six-year of the man? Six-year six of the man? Six-man of the year for uh, for Boucher? Right now, I think, he's, I think he's the leader at the moment. My guy's averaging 16 points a game right now, two and a half blocks. Ooh. So, okay. you know... That's no joking. He t- sixteen points no. in twenty four minutes a game. Uh, I don't know if his shooting is wow. super. Actually, no, he's shooting dumb, stupid, efficient right now. He's forty seven percent on four attempts from three. So wow, he's he's super efficient. That that'll drop down the percentage, of course. Um, but he's ready to rip. That guy comes in the game. He's ready to rip. He blocks shots in the perimeter, bro. It's it's out of control. And I've seen Mitchell Robinson make a ton of blocks on the perimeter. Boucher is better at it than Mitchell Robinson. So wow. if you haven't seen wow. Boucher do it, something. yeah, because if Mitch makes some crazy plays blocking shots on the perimeter, yeah. Boucher does it times 10. Uh, but th- that brings That's us awesome. to our, our last words, and we're going to use our last words tonight to talk about the New York Knicks. Kyle, the floor Go, is man. yours right now, baby, because they're 7-8. and eight. I think yeah. despite some uh, tough losses or disappointing losses, you tell any Knicks fan, through the first uh, 15 games, you're seven and eight. You're dumb if you're saying, oh, that's not good. That's amazing for what the Knicks were expected to be, for who they are expected to be. They're only scoring 100 points a game, which is the lowest in the NBA. So that is a real issue. That's like, it's literally the lowest <laughs> points per game. <laughs> yeah. But they're also yeah. only giving up 102, which is also the lowest in the league. So they're mucking it up. They're playing Tibbs basketball. They're grinding. And can we ask for much more than that, Kyle? No, I mean, like you said, seven and eight. If you tell me seven and eight before the start of the year, 15 games in, I'm I'm signed up. Let's go. Because that means we're we're somewhere. Currently we're we're eighth in the East if we were to start a playoffs today. I'm I'm all for that. Because that means we're competing. And that's the biggest thing that we've always said. Please just make our team competitive. Let's just be in a game. Let's just sc- scrap. Let's just make it happen. And Tibbs is is kind of building that culture of the, you know, the the tough man. You know, the the tough guy sport where we're you know what we're gonna play in the hundreds, and if we're in the hundreds, we're gonna give ourselves a, the best shot possible. And if it gets above that, that's not our game because we don't have unfortunately the offense for that. Even though we have guys like Randall and, you know, we're getting some contribution from Quickly and Rivers and, and RJ on occasion, we don't get that consistently from those guys every single night. So if we can, if we can play active defense and turn those turnovers into transition points or turn those turnovers into, you know, uh, an occasional three from somebody, that's, that's what we want. We, that's all gravy, you know, and, and this is – this is so far, this has been a great, already been a great season. And I think Tibbs doing a great job because he's holding these guys accountable. You can even just see in the games how animated he gets and how he literally is just ripping every guy if they, you know, if they a terrible turnover or a, you know, don't box out. They don't get a stop when they need a stop. He calls, I think he calls great timeouts at times when things start to get away. He's just like, dude, yo. We got to talk about this because right away he's like, yo, I'm nipping this in the butt right now. We're not going to let this get out of control. And I feel like in the in previous years, coaches would almost assume that we had the talent as some of these other teams. Like, hey, we're just going to play out of it. No, dude, like end this right now. Like that's let's 
Let's end this this run that they have. Get us together. We're a young team. You know, rip into these guys and on the bench, and let's get them back out there, and hopefully we can make some adjustments. If not, then dude, we got guys on the bench. Right. So I I think Tibbs is doing a great job so far. And it's got to feel good for the starters on the team because they're playing 35 minutes a game, all of them, right? But I was was just about to say, bro, David Fisdale, and I I hate this because I wanted to like Fizz. So I like Fizz a lot. I love Fizz. He's he's a great dude. But as a coach, it was frustrating because it seemed like he called a timeout because he was looking at it like, oh, I think a coach is supposed to call a timeout right now. Oh, timeout. You know, and and Tibbs is like, before you're supposed to call a timeout, Tibbs is calling a timeout because he's furious. He is so pissed about what he's seeing on the court, and he's not accepting it. Granted, he's not not accepting it to a point where he's going to take out, you know, Julius Randle or RJ Barrett, who are clearly his workhorses right now. Um, but that's because those two are grinding. Those two are putting in efforts every single game, and if they're inefficient, you live with it because the effort is there, and they're attacking, and they're doing you know, they're putting their best foot forward every single night. And that's not something that you could have said for the past 10 years. You just couldn't have said it. So off the jump, the Tibbs experience so far has been a win for us. Uh, but there is going to be a point where I start getting a little upset with the lack of minutes for a bunch of other dudes. It's not like yes. I'm just upset Kevin Knox isn't getting burned or I'm just upset that Quickly's only getting 15 minutes a game. But when Frank comes back from injury... Um, if, if Dennis, well, I don't really, I don't know if I care about Dennis Smith Jr., but if, if Frank's back and Knox is healthy, quickly is healthy and Alfred Payton's still playing, you know, 36 minutes a game, it's like, yo, why are we not bumping Alfred Payton to 28 given, you know, six to eight minutes here and and these things, if they don't start happening, that'll start to become frustrating unless they're still a 500 team and in the playoffs and you can't complain. Mm -hmm. My complaints in the years past have been we're 25 games under 500. Why are we playing freaking Bobby Portis 30 minutes tonight? What is the point of that? Yeah. He's not part of this future at all. Not by one single meme. Let's get Knox out there. Let the guy drown. I don't care. Let him drown. If he drowns out there, then we know he's not our guy moving forward, but we're not going to know unless he plays. So right now, the complaints are minimal. But if this team goes from seven and eight, to 17 and 31 and the minutes look like they're exactly the same then the frustration starts to come into play but hey don't need to worry about that until we get there right i think that's definitely one of the if if i was to to you know have my one you know problem with with tip so far would be that is the minutes and you look at the the splits and everything for for each game and you see the minutes usually in the starting five almost all of them are in the thirties every single game, every night. And it's crazy when we, every night, like every single night. And I, I get it. He's definitely trying to build a mentality, but at the same time, we have guys on the bench that can play. It's not like if we go to our bench and we look down there and you know, you look down the bench and like, dude, I got nobody to put in there. Right. I would understand to an extent. I would understand. But at the same time, we have Knox is playing much better this year. Quickly is a is a good surprise. You know, I, I thought he was going to be good anyway, but I mean, he's given us even more than I thought he was going to give us. Um, Austin Rivers is consistent. He he usually gives us good minutes. He's not giving us fifteen a night, but I guarantee if he gave us if he was given more of an opportunity to play and given more minutes, I'm sure his production would go up. 
as opposed to his, say he's getting 12, 15 minutes a night. If you make that 20, I guarantee you he hits two threes in that in that period or or gets two two transition baskets or or a couple assists here and there. I just think that that's the only that's my only problem. Just rotation a little bit with with minutes. But besides that, like I said, just it's 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 pretty pretty cool to finally watch Knicks basketball and not watch the first half and want to turn it off. I actually want to watch the entire game and and not suffer. Yeah, right now, Julius Randle and R.J. Barrett averaging 37 minutes a game. The one thing that I will say I love, Mitchell Robinson averaging 30 minutes a game, 15 starts of 15 games. That is something that feels good for me because that was something we were screaming from the rafters about since he joined the team. Let's get this guy some more burn. Um, But, yeah, man, Alec Burks comes back. Reggie Bullock's right now 29 minutes. You know, Obi right now is he's only played five games, but he's getting twelve minutes a game. Like that's the stuff. Mm-hmm. Like we just talked about the Knicks for ten minutes here. We just mentioned our first round, our first first round pick in Obi Toppin, twelve minutes a game. He needs to get some more burn at some point, and hopefully, you know what? Yeah. Hopefully they're winning, and we we won't have the right to complain. But I'm nervous we're gonna hit that spot. So until that happens, you know I'll be here ready. I'm waiting. Cause I'm not, oh, yeah. I'm not super confident they're gonna be 500 when we get into, <laughs> you know. Me either, man. When we when we hit know? that 30, 40 game mark, we're really gonna know. We're like exactly. Okay. So uh, we'll see what happens. But there's moves to be made here too, and who knows? Maybe, um, maybe Alec Burks gets flipped for another pick, or maybe Austin Rivers on like a super cheap contract is a flippable flippable guy for somebody young or for another pick. So there's a lot of things to happen for this Knicks team, but I think. So far, so good. A minus, a a for the grade for this team right now. I think that's that's where it's at. But uh, anything else to add for the next yeah, one? We say goodbye. Nah, man. Nah, man. Definitely talk. Definitely uh, say what we had to say for sure. That's it. All right, Kyle Anderson. Thank you, bro. As always. No problem, man. As always, bro. Shout out to your time. Shout out to your squad. Uh, basketball season starting up. Yeah, man. Tuesday against Linden uh, at Linden. So hopefully we're ready to go. We uh. We're getting there. We got to keep working. So. Hey, you know what though? I'm you excited. Got, you got to be lucky um, that you're in Jersey right here because Rock Odell, another guy from the podcast, and Chris Mule, they coach high school football in uh, New York, and they're mm-hmm. they're practicing football now for the first time since summer. And, wow. And they still don't know if they're having games in the spring. They still don't know. So you had wow. your football season. Great success for you, calling plays out there. Um, yeah, and great. now you get to start off start our basketball. So that's exciting stuff. You know, hopefully we can get these kids out here playing sports because it's important to kids, man. I don't know what I would have done if I didn't have sports in high school. Oh yeah, right there with you, man, for sure. I needed it. Cheers. Uh, all right, Subway Sports Talk. Pete Kennedy, Kyle Anderson. Shout out to John Lucas Duffy. Shout out to the NBA Outsiders. You know what it is at Subway Sports Talk on Twitter and Instagram. T L K on Twitter. Regular T A L K on Instagram. But y'all have a great one. We'll be back. We got the conference championship, Kyle. Quick pick for me. Quick pick. Pack- I got you. Uh, Bills and Packers. Ooh, Bills. Mahomes in or out? Yeah. Chiefs uh, either. Ooh, spicy. I love it. Yeah. Let's ride. Subway either. Sports Dog. Yeah.